Hello and welcome to the Thrive Not Survive podcast, where we will be exploring women's lives and what determines a happy, fulfilling life, capturing women's unique perspectives on what that really means to them. Hello, Justine. Hi, darling. Hello. I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much. You are one of my favourite people in the world. Oh, I'm just at the beginning. <laughs> You're one of mine. <laughs> but that's not the only reason I invited you on here. I, um, you know, you are one of the calmest people that I know. Am I? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So many of your friends, you know, Dalai Lama, but for reasons that we will probe into later on. But uh, just to give you a little bit of introduction to the listeners, this is Justine Desmond and she is a photographer and she is a mother of two boys. And you know, I just have invited you on so we can discuss in this crazy world right now. I know you have been struggling with what seems to have been diagnosed as long COVID. Yes. Yeah, which obviously is, you know, has been really, really difficult for you. So I just wondered if you could, you know, explain how you're feeling and how you are. Um. Well, I... I... I think it was around about the time that um, we all started to hear about COVID uh, before tests were in place and, um, you know, be before we went into our first lockdown. And I, I think that's when I got COVID, although I had really mild symptoms. Um, so I've never had a positive COVID test, but because I've had over a year of feeling fatigued, quite unwell, just random things happening strange things you know palpitations um lots of pain on one side of my body brain fog yeah. um yeah so just, just symptoms that I hadn't had before my doctors concluded um you know because we've been in this pandemic and they can't really find anything wrong with me I've had all the standardized tests and nothing really ever shows up so um my lovely doctor said to me a few weeks ago well in the absence of anything else um, we're going to diagnose and um, offer some support to you, which they have, and they've been brilliant, really good. Um, but I think my, some of my symptoms are starting to lift now, so I'm starting to feel a sense of myself again. And I, I you know, for a long time, I just haven't felt like myself, and that's a weird feeling. Absolutely, I'm, I'm ordinarily very active, yeah. in, in really, really good health, very fit um you know like moms with young children and, and careers you're just so busy all the time and exactly. you know because I, obviously I you know when you were first ill nobody was around to help really were they and it was a really unsettling time oh just, yeah you know just <laughs> seeing you all, you know we're all, we're all in lockdown I think well I think, yeah, is, is that what you mean yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was really, really difficult to kind of get the help that you needed. Um, yeah. how, how did you get through that? You know, because you are a single mum like me, you've got two boys. Um, was there a real feeling of isolation um, at that time for you? 
Um, I, I think the biggest feeling was fear. And I think that's something I've had to think a lot about since I've been um, unwell. I think just yeah. fear. When you don't really know what's wrong with you and you're isolated and obviously you're spending a lot of time in your own heads. And I think if you don't live with another adult and you haven't got anyone to talk to, you, you are in your own heads a lot. Um, yeah. And so I think fear is the thing because, you know, when I first became ill, I was really ill. I couldn't leave my um, I couldn't go outside. I couldn't eat. I just had these yeah. terrible symptoms and I felt like I was dying. And it, it sounds like a dramatic thing to say, but I think when you're ill and you realise actually you've got these physical symptoms and then you've got your mind and your mind goes down dark paths and you can start to feel like there's something really wrong with me and I, I don't feel like I'm getting better, I'm getting worse. And so I think fear is the over, overriding you know, feeling for me. Oh my uh, goodness, I can only imagine. What and what were was that was there anything? Were there any strategies? Were there any kind of ways of being that alleviated that sense of fear at all? Yeah, well well I, I've I've been doing lots and lots of yoga uh this year, lots of it, with my wonderful friends um at Yoga Music Flow. And I think that's really helped me to to, to to bring my mind back always to the present moment which is is a really good thing to do and I, I'm sort of quite self-aware if I feel like I'm going down a dark path I'm quite good at just bringing it back to the breathing which is what she always tells me to do bring it back to the breathing bring it back to the breathing and so I uh, and that's a practice isn't it and it's something that I hadn't considered before but while I've been feeling having these not not dark thoughts but just fearful thinking you know my mind's running right what's wrong with me why can't the doctor tell me feel bad um and and all the other things of guilt you know i can't take good care of my kids they're on the games i'm stuck in bed um I, i've just it's been really good at bringing myself back to the moment being calm listening to the birds thinking about nature and i, I find that really helpful yeah, really good absolutely. me too and, yeah and, and and just this thought that actually you know in this present moment there's really not that much wrong with me if i'm just here right in the now then that's good um, yeah, I think you can have that sensation even if you are not feeling great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just just putting it back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a human condition, isn't it? And it takes practice. And I think yeah. totally misunderstand. It's not till sometimes, isn't it, that we get to a tipping point where we we are at the end of our tether that we're forced into these kind of uh, you know, which is brilliant. But yeah. you know, it often takes us to get to that point to actually you know utilize what we know we should be doing in the first place yes that's so true that is so you true know? I mean that's the whole point isn't it we're all very busy rushing around thinking about the next thing the next thing I think that's the nature of busy lives isn't it you're, you're always thinking you know I've, I've got x y and z when you're confined to a bed you don't yeah. you don't have all of that so you have you know your mind becomes a lot more active and it's this practice isn't it that you know um, Lucy always tells me this at the end of the yoga she tells us as we're sat on our mats your body stopped moving now so your mind will start working harder and I think yeah. that is so true which which is often why if you're in you know, negative thoughts you get busy don't you you know you've been to my flat it's it's it's, it's so shiny <laughs> and sparkly because <laughs> I I clean if I feel stressed I mean it's so interesting how you introduced me as the Dalai Lama because I'm not of course and like everybody else you know I I uh, have stress in yeah. life that's part of life 
but I'm quite good at doing things to to manage it and and you know uh, maybe alleviate it. I think yeah. so. I, I I know that I appear calm because I people say to me, "Oh, you're so laid back. You're so laid back." But that's just uh, I don't think it's a character trait. I think it's just something that you can become if you've got good uh, practices in your life. Yeah, you. I mean, I'm not I an agree. expert. That's just what I think. I agree for sure. But I'm sure you've had more than many in the last year. And I think about this and you quite often, actually, real dark night of the soul experiences. Yeah. Just being, you know, on your own and being super ill. So I really, God, I mean, that must have been really tough. Yeah, so it's a bit scary. I mean, I've, I mean, you, as you know, I've been to hospital a few times this year as well. And, you know, my friend popped around to, to, to see me and gave me a really strong coffee. And then the next thing I was in a terrible old state and the ambulance was outside. And I, I think coping with things like that, when you've got two small kids, I, it's just really hard because you look you look at them and you just want to last forever, don't you? Yeah. You, know, you Because you've got a very important job to do. That's my most important job to take care of my kids. And, yeah. You know that they are the dark times because there's more at stake if you're not well and you're I think and you you've got responsibilities yeah for uh, sure and on that um down that same route really I know we are the same being single mums but how do you juggle that I mean this is like an age-old question and I think <laughs> mums are just expected to just like suck it up and don't say anything because that's just life but yeah. really how do you juggle working and looking after the children? Um, well, I think a work-life balance is very important, really important. And I consider myself to be a bit of a part-timer um, because, you know, when I work it out, I must be because there's only so many hours in the day. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, um, like any freelancer, if I get work that comes my way, I take it. I think, you know, I like work. I love my job. I like to work, but I'm not work. You know, I've had corporate jobs where I've worked every hour God sends and I, I don't do that anymore. I've got a nice balance. So, um, you know, I've got help around me, you, you know, with the kids, their dad is, is, is really good. Um, yeah. you know, and I've got friends and, and, and I, but I actually, it's an interesting question because I think what I should say is that I for help and, um, I, you know, somebody said to me once, asking for help is really good because that's how you form strong bonds with your friends. You let them help you and then you help them. And that's how it works. And I've thought about that because I'm not very good at asking for help because I've, no, I've just been raised yeah. to be very independent. And that's yeah. how my mum was, you know, um, yeah. she, 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 she's amazing. She still is. Um, and she didn't ask for help, and she's quite. She's always been quite proud of that, you know. <laughs> and I, but I, and, and so I suppose I've followed suit. But in more recently, I've had to ask for help. Yeah. Um, I've sort of got used to it. It's like anything. If you do it a few times, and you, yeah. you know, you see that people actually want to help you, and they like to be asked. They do. Uh, it's like a reciprocal agreement, isn't it? But I, I'm very similar in that way. And I think, yes, you're so right. I went to see a therapist. Um, well, I've seen quite a few therapists, but one of them was like, you know, where where are your friends? Why aren't you asking them to help you? And I was just like, good question. I've got lots of good friends, but I, I yeah, hardly ever ask I'll them for help. help. I think, yeah, <laughs> you I'll always help me. And I think <laughs> it's true. People love to help, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I think uh, it's, and it's, it's important, important to ask. To ask. 
Well, it's, it's like, you know, it's like mindfulness, asking for help. It's these things are just practices. I think you've got to try and you first of all, you've got to acknowledge that you, it's a good thing to do. And then you've just got to try and do it and practice a little bit. And then, you know, it becomes easier because I, I think asking for help feels like you're admitting that you're failing in some way. But I've been forced into a position recently where I've had to ask for help. And I think I've just, I now realize actually it's quite nice to be helped and it's quite yeah. nice to help. Um, yeah, good feeling. Yeah, and so what if you're failing, actually? Who cares? I mean, so what? <laughs> that, what does that mean? <laughs> doesn't anyway? matter. <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean anyway, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I know in the first lockdown, um, you and Daisy, Grand our mutual friend, is a journalist. You had an amazing project that you created together. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about that for anybody that doesn't know about it? Yeah, okay. So Daisy and I worked on a project called Brighton Peaks. And it was at the start of the first lockdown. And I think we both just felt a sense that we were missing talking to people and meeting people. I'm a photographer, as you've said you, in your instruction, and, 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 and you've just mentioned Daisy's a journalist. So we, we've often sat together over a glass of wine and said, we should work together. We should do something. We've both got these skills that kind of complement. Um, and then, yeah, so then we, we had this idea. Obviously, we live in, in Brighton and Hove. It's an incredible city and you always see the most incredible people. Uh, we both are quite nosy. We like to meet people. So the idea basically was that we should just walk up and down the seafront and jump into jump in front of people. Anyone that we thought, wow, they look amazing. Let's grab a photograph and, and chat to them and just find out who they are. Um, because we'd always thought, you know, this is a great place, but what is it that makes it so great? It's obviously, it's the people. Let's uh, talk to them. And so that's really the idea. Um, and so we just went out and did it. Because <laughs> I think it was so successful and interesting people. They yeah. loved it, didn't they? Loved it. Absolutely. Because obviously we're in a lockdown and everybody's feeling the same. Everybody's missing human connection and people have got time on their hands. And so, yeah, they just really enjoyed. And I think all of us, we all enjoy um, being seen, don't we? And we all enjoy telling our stories. We all enjoy it, you know, when people ask, how are you? What have you been up to? And so I think people quite enjoyed. And it's, it's, it's really nice. We just got to spend time with them. I think they obviously felt in the first instance that they could trust us, that we weren't going to, you know, do anything embarrass them so we were quite respectful with the you know daisy obviously with the, yeah. the, the stories brilliant. yeah she's very good she's brilliant she's she she knows exactly how to um you know sort of bring out um a person's story you know yeah. i think it's because she's she's just wonderful isn't she um yeah. and so yeah we we that's that's what we did we we met lots of amazing people and oh. i mean what, what were the some of them? Can you think of some of the off the top of your head? You're probably, you know, yeah, no, what, I can. Yeah, I mean, on the first day we went out, we met this incredible couple that were just so colorful and gorgeous walking along, and we just jumped in front of them and talked to them. And uh, uh Lucy was a, a, a school teacher, and her husband, um, he, he's 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 basically from South America, and he's got a, a business where he, he's teaching people to how to speak English and talking about different phrases. and how things work in the UK and he's a lovely guy um, um so yeah so we, we just stopped those guys and um they talked about how they'd met and when they met he couldn't speak English and she couldn't speak um Portuguese which is his native language um so they 
they do Google Translate to communicate to each other. And um, yeah, and they've been together for many, many years. You feel all the love between them and all the feels and it's gorgeous. And I just thought their story was so romantic and so incredible that they just had this special connection even without using words, um, language. So, so just amazing. Just yeah. love people. Really Obviously, joyous. that's why I want to do this podcast. But yeah, there's exactly the same thing. You know, you just never can presume what the story is behind people. Either yeah. it's so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, from and, and actually on that point, doing Brighton Peeps makes makes me. I mean, I already knew this anyway. But people are incredible, incredibly generous, and time it's incredible how they stopped and talked to us and was just so generous in everything they told us and we met lots of just incredible people doing good stuff and uh, always yeah we always came and very resilient people as well who had stories of hardship and stuff I mean if you go we've got an account on Instagram Brighton Peeps and you can go and read the stories um and hear all about people not you know a lot of people are, are visiting the city lots of yeah. people who live here are from all over the world doing all different kinds of creative things um yeah so it's so so it's it's, it's, it's it was a really good thing for us to do but then it, it ground to a bit of a halt because i became um sick with my my covid yeah. <laughs> my, my long covid <laughs> bed and we didn't I, I mean I have got out of my bed now and I'm sort of working again but we we haven't picked up that project yet because uh you know if you have have a long time off due to illness and yeah. stuff you, you've then got to get to get back into your absolutely into your but work. you've done you've been concentrating on um a project about the sea swimmers haven't you yeah well that, that was my project in the second lockdown because I mean the, the, if you've got any uh, freelancers here listening I'm sure you have um, one thing that you learn quite easily is that you have to keep your profile raised and you have to be working. I mean, I do it for the love because I love taking pictures. I also love meeting people. Um, but it's really good times when you haven't got um, paid work that you keep your profile raised and you, you, uh, you create. You know, if you're a creator, you, you enjoy creating. And I, I personally think it's something that you should always give time to. So we yeah. were in the second lockdown and, you know, my clients have always been from the corporate and, um, you know, public services sector. So throughout the whole of the pandemic, they've been furloughed. So my work just dropped off a cliff, basically. And I was suddenly faced with a, a completely empty diary. Nothing. Zilch, <laughs> which was a shock and, you know, also a bit scary. Um I just thought I can't, I have to pick up my camera, I have to go out, I have to do something, otherwise I'm going to start feeling useless and I'm going to start having all those horrible feelings that you get. Um, so that was, so, so the, and I sat on the beach thinking what can I do and just watching the swimmers and thinking they would make such gorgeous portraits and what is it about them that compels them to go in the sea? You know, why are they doing it? It's bloody freezing. What's, what are they doing? <laughs> and I just thought, we got a story to tell and it'd be really nice to find out what that is and and just to create these beautiful portraits because they're all different shapes and sizes and I really love that because I hate this idea that people can't get into swimming costume because they might feel like they're the wrong body shape or size mm -hmm. I, I I just think if I could do something to you know to show all these glorious and beautiful bodies all different shapes and sizes looking confident as they do in their portraits 
And in some ways, it's just one tiny thing that might help to shift this idea that there's only one such thing as the perfect body. You know, there's only one body shape that's perfect. Oh, um, and they are absolutely gorgeous images. <laughs> if wants to go and have a look. They are, are they on your Instagram feed. Um, well, they're all on my website, Justine Desmond right. Photography. They're all on my own personal Instagram feed, which is Justine Desmond Photo. Um, they, they also um, were published in which was a, a real treat for everybody a bit of fun um so yeah you can see them in in those places um, they and they are and, yeah and beautiful. also and also let sorry to interrupt you just while i remember you were also put forward weren't you for um you know for your work to be published in the portrait of britain oh yes yeah yeah uh, that was that was one case. of my brighton peeps oh and that was i mean that's an incredible incredible uh kind of privilege to be able to be published there and what an amazing image that yes, is of that lady. so if you know obviously people who are listening here might not have seen uh might not have um, had access to that book the portrait of britain but it's a it's a collection of portraits shot by photographers from all over the world and um yeah it's 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 real people and real stories so there's one of the plates is an image and then there's a little uh, you know, a few words from the photographer, maybe about why they've taken the portrait or a few words from the subject about who they are. Um, but it's real people. So I, I love that book because it's by Hoxton Mini Press. It's brilliant um, because fed images of perfect people and it's really damaging for our mental health. So, yeah. you know, I'm a firm believer in my work. If I take a portrait of someone, you're beautiful as you are. I might make some whole image changes on, 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 the, uh, on the picture for the, the colour and the clarity and stuff. But I don't uh, think that people need to be retouched, essentially, because I think they're beautiful as they are. And I don't, I think we're all fed these images all the time of perfect people that are touching and it's really damaging I think to everybody but especially young people so this book yeah. is like a counterbalance really it's real people shot in their everyday lives and the picture of mine that they picked to go in this book because you know you send in your submissions and yeah. I sent in maybe 10 images um, and they picked this one image that I love and it's of this gorgeous woman called Francesca Borisov who was sat on the beach in Brighton with a beautiful bikini a pair of denim shorts and uh she had a can of lager and she was just sat there really enjoying herself, having a nice old time. And I just looked at her and thought, she's gorgeous. I'd love to take her portrait. And I asked her if I could and she gave permission. And, um, and then when I, when I looked at the image, I thought this is actually quite an important image because she gives other women permission to do the same. Yeah. And I think men have always had that permission. <laughs> with the top off in the sun and have a can of beer and yeah. I just think actually it's quite refreshing and so I mean she got a lot of a lot of um, negative feedback about that image on various social channels I, think I know I was going to ask you about that whether we could just talk a little bit about that because that is crazy and you know something that needs to be brought into the uh, to public attention that why should a lady who's just sat you know enjoying herself on a bench just because she's got a bikini on and she's of a certain age yeah be kind of you know be bullied in that Vilified. way it's belief doesn't it yeah yeah well it doesn't it doesn't it's no surprise yeah. is it so i think no. that's why images like that are important because it in some way might shift thoughts yeah. or at least open up a dialogue like this about it because like you yeah. say it's crazy why shouldn't she 
And who's judging her anyway? And actually, to be perfectly honest, the negative comments mostly came from men. Exactly. <laughs> and that didn't surprise me either because, but, but, but you know, um, it, it's, it's not okay. And I think people think they can say whatever they please, but somebody's feelings are being hurt. But actually, the deeper issue is that why, can't, why, why does she not have permission to do that? Because she's a woman and she's a woman of a certain age. Why yeah. can't she live her life in the way she wants without negative judgment? It's not okay. Yeah, and it, um, and it needs to be kind of questions. And that brings me on, actually, because I was just thinking about you and you t- your two boys, because I know you are very keen to kind of educate them on, you know, any kind of sexism or, you know, you know, treating women in the right way with respect. Yeah. And how do you do that just by opening up conversations and, and how do they kind of respond to that? Well, well, it's a number of things, really. So I think the first thing for me is that I think that, um, you know, yeah, I, like you say, I'm raising two boys. And I think we know that actually, um, you know, the way uh, women are uh, discriminated against by gender, it's, it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so it's almost so subtle that a child wouldn't really acknowledge it or notice. So yeah. For me, I talk about these issues and I've, I've got this brilliant book. Um, it's called Everyday Sexism by Laura Bates, who I really admire. And I think she's wonderful. Uh, so she set up um, uh, a website where people could, it's, it's anecdotal um, information that's been delivered by people that have experienced sexism. Um, and, and she's produced a wonderful book on the back of that. And I just read excerpts of it to my kids and they are astonished. When, for instance, when I give them a simple fact, like, you know, if a job's done by women and men, the same job and women are paid less, what do you think of that? <laughs> and they go, oh, that is, that is so unfair. Really? <laughs> and they can't believe it. And they, no. you know, their immediate response is that it's really unfair. So, yeah. I mean, that's just an example. But I just like to have a dialogue with my kids and talk to them about the position of women and other things, you know. So, for instance, I mean, my kids are nine and um, my eldest son is almost 11 and they're really interested in knowing what sex is because they've heard about it in school and they're sort of getting feelings for, uh, you know, funny feelings. And um, so we talk about that. And when they when they ask me, you know, what's what, what is sex? So I think. I always talk, I always answer my kids' questions on you know honestly because I think it's really important. Absolutely, in, yeah. in, in a way that I think is appropriate that they'll understand. And I say, you know, my response to that is, well, it's something that people do when they love each other, hopefully, um, and it's very important that both people want to do it. And you know, that's called consent. So I think you know, I try to make sure that I I, I recognise that actually I have a responsibility to my sons to make sure that I raise them in a way that they are sexist because you know and I, I'm, I'm only one influence over them of course I can't be held wholly responsible because there are much greater influences uh, yeah. at force here because obviously we live in a patriarchy so you know um but I'm yes. doing my, I, 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 I do my bit, bit and I think I know what my bit is and so for me it's that if I hear if I hear sexism I call it out because I do yeah. hear it from my kids of course I do Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the world they occupy and you know but but I call it out and then I open up conversations with them as well um, so that they can understand 
you yeah. know, the world we occupy and their role in it and my role in it and, um, you know, their own privilege. You know, yeah. I've got two white males that I'm raising. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, my... Oh, is this another lecture? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a conversation. <laughs> oh, how brilliant. I really yeah. think it's so important that you're doing yeah. that and that we all, yeah. you know, take responsibility in that way. Yeah, I think it's, it's crucial. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crucial, isn't it? You know, it started when they were young. They used to say things like, you know, are we going out in dad's car? <laughs> and I used to say, well, hang on, it's mummy and daddy's car. You know, it's the small things, yeah. isn't it? absolutely <laughs> it's just um I think you know important isn't it you know well it's the power balance isn't it we've all seen it we've all experienced it ourselves possibly and our friends you know when you stay at home for a certain period of your life to look after the children the power balance shifts yeah. and it's you're no longer considered uh kind of a worthwhile yeah. <laughs> commodity yeah. with any power and I think even though that might not be a conscious decision on the partner's part that is subtly what happens over time yeah in my it can do yeah yeah for many of us, uh, from you know, and I just think that you know that needs to be addressed and needs yeah. to be considered, you know, because it's it's so powerful and it, it can change the dynamics of a family, you know, considerably. Yeah, I think that's so, so true. But I, I mean, I also think just quick, quickly, I, I I sense we're moving on to something else. But, but you know, as a mother, you're very nurturing to your children. Of course, you are, aren't you? Now, if you've got two young males that you're nurturing you know you have to be mindful that actually they might they need to realize that not all women will respond to them in this way I'm your mother and I've got a specific role that I'm playing with you now but you know you're reaching a certain age now and I, I, I want you to recognize that actually we're we're starting to become a team now you know your needs are different and yeah. I'm not always going to service you in this way when you're very small I'm really nurturing you I mean hopefully I'm always going to be nurturing my children they're always my children but you know <laughs> they need to know that not all women should be relating to them in this way. So, for instance, if they do go off and enter a relationship with a woman, but they can't expect they'll get the same kind of level of commitment and treatment because yeah, <laughs> she's so not their mother. She's their you know, yeah, you're <laughs> so right. So important to consider that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's a really interesting point that I hadn't really considered yet, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's working. You, I mean, I, I hope. I mean, you've met my children. They're like any kids. You know, I'm sure they absorb some of it and maybe not all of it, but at least I'm trying. So. You know, they're with you a lot and you're such a brilliant influence on them. You're such a great mum. Oh. <laughs> We're all great mums. We're yeah. all doing our best, aren't we? And, and that's enough. <laughs> and so what would you seen as this podcast title is a thrive not survive now i know you've had your real testing <laughs> testing of survival in recent months but in your opinion what would you consider thriving and what are the components to you that that means that you feel like you're thriving in life um oh, that's a yeah that's a big question isn't it um yeah. Well, I think if I'm, I always, I mean, you know me, I always feel very content with my life, but I don't think I've just, my life's happened by chance. So I, I think that for me, it's just that general feeling of well-being that I experience, I think, all of the time, even when I'm not feeling, you know, even then I describe my long COVID, which was, I kind of didn't feel 
feeling then. Um, but generally speaking, I think that I, you know, for me, thriving is what, how do I think that looks? You know, having a, a good circle of solid friendships. Mm-hmm. I'm eternally and forever grateful for that because it hasn't always been the case. You know, I've had periods of loneliness where I haven't known anyone, especially, you know, in, in some of the years I lived in London where I might feel, you know, disconnected. Um, so yeah. I think having a very good circle of solid friends around you, which, you know, you, you nurture, don't you? And, and um, like, you know, in things we were ask, we've talked about before where you help each other and stuff. So that yeah. is, that I think makes me feel like I'm thriving. My friends, um, being connected with my family. I'm very fortunate. I've got a loving family. Um, having you're, you're one of three, one of four. Yeah. Yeah, one of four. I mean, yeah, I've got two sisters and a brother. Incredible. Yeah. And you you also get on with all of them, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we do. We get on. We're such good friends, all of us. We get on really well. Yeah. yeah we. Do. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, we, my parents, I think I lived in a very harmonious house. And I know that I'm fortunate for that. And I know it's not the case for everybody. But, you know, we didn't have wealth. It didn't matter. We didn't have much. We, we had a lot of love and we had a lot of good times. My parents, I didn't see them. There wasn't really any. I didn't see them argue. They were a good team, you know. Right. So I've I've had a bit of a solid base in that respect. Um, so yeah, I've got good family. Um, being in nature a lot, I think, is so important. You can feel like you're thriving because you're you're out in nature. You're breathing the air. You know, you live in. I live in an amazing place, don't I? I've walked to the end of my street. The beach is there. What more could I need? You know, I've got the downs. I think connecting with nature, I mean, some people during this pandemic have said, oh, this is amazing. You know, I've connected with nature. I feel like I'm really fortunate, but that's always been part of my practice to get outside. I don't, I mean, you know me, I hate being indoors. I just, every day I'm out, I'm walking up and down the beach. I go for my runs. I, you know, drag the kids out, even if they don't want to. I just think being in nature is so good for your soul. Um, Eating good food eating a really good diet i don't need you know i'm a i don't like using this word but i'm a pescatarian so a little bit of fish here and there but mostly mostly you know a good uh, vegetarian diet um, yeah and has that been become even more of a priority since you've been ill um well it's funny isn't it because when you're ill that's when it should be a priority but i think often the opposite happens so you might st- you know when i'm not well and i'm not feeling great i eat lots of cheese on toast and I know True. that. Me too. I, I know that's just a counterintuitive, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I like food and I like good food, so I always eat well just because I like good food. I don't want to eat rubbish. Um, never have done really. Um, but yeah, sometimes when I'm low energy and I can't go to the shops, and I, you know, I don't yeah. have all the fresh food. Um, yeah, I've just had my wonderful, wonderful friend at Gems Holton Kitchen is just, I've had one of her nourish packages, which is, I've had two this year, actually, and it's really good. And, you know, you're in that state where you think, I don't, I don't, I can't be bothered to cook for myself. I'm too tired or I don't feel good or there's nothing in the fridge. Um, so yeah, so I suppose nature, family, friends. um, What do those packages consist of? Well, just very nourishing food, uh, plant-based, mm-hmm. yeah. um, pl- plant-based food, very nourishing energy balls, the most amazing shots of, of, of juices, um, salads, soups, like so much food. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. You, you eat a lot. My yes. God. Mm. And it's delivered to your door, so you don't have to shop. It just comes to your door. 
delivered in a package by Jen's lovely husband, Peter. And then, I mean, all you have to do is eat it. <laughs> oh, you know, that sounds fabulous. Good. So, yeah, I mean, they are things like, because to get me through, I suppose, all those things I've, I've, I've talked about. And yoga is probably one of the biggest single things. It's a massive revelation to me this year. Because normally I'm hardcore running, yes. hit training, lifting weights. I've yeah. not had the strength. So I've practiced a bit of yoga. I remember the first session I did when I had my long COVID and I was so emotional. I just felt very tearful mm. on the mat. I, I couldn't do, I couldn't really do very much, but I just thought, well, at least I'm here. I'm on this mat. I'm giving it a go. It's all I can do at the moment. But over the last sort of, you know, uh, year or so, I've really built up strength. And I, I think it's been one of my saviors, actually, just that practice um because what it teaches you skills to apply to your life you know to be present moment to be to to bring yourself into the present moment to just say just breathe and you know be still and enjoy what's happening right now I think that's always what really isn't it you know and I think people are really cottoning onto that and just know just knowing that that's the truth that from the present moment yeah don't have any worry we're not in the past we're not in the future we're not worrying we're not yeah. in our we're yeah. just we're just still and we're just being you know yeah we're just enjoying the now and I think it's really important actually to I mean somebody said to me the other day just in a conversation in the pub oh you know you're it's, it's, it's probably quite hard it's probably quite difficult for you working and the kids and and I just said, I don't see my life like that at all, actually. I don't, I just don't see my life. I actually see the opposite of my uh, opposite of difficulty. I feel really privileged. I live in a lovely place. I've got this lovely flat with my kids and I've got a job that I love. I've got all these friends and I can do yoga and I can have nice food. And, oh, and I, <laughs> and, making me goosebumps. <laughs> but the thing is, Justine, not many people are able to place their awareness or their energy or their focus onto being grateful, I don't think, as much as you can. Yeah. And uh, I think that from my observation of you over the years, you know, no matter what is happening in your life, you're always able to, or you choose to, come back to that. And that is a huge strength. And it's the highest, you know, vibrational energy anyway. Yeah. You know, and you can only call in what you're vibrating at. So I think that's why you've got so many gorgeous friends that love you so much, because you are literally putting out such an amazing vibe. And (laughs) no, it's absolutely true. And I think, you know, if 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 that was the the only thing I could say to people in with my clients, with my students, etc., when even when you don't feel like it, if you can really practice, you know, every day, even though you (laughs) might not really feel like anything's gone well that day to come back to that, like even if it's just basic stuff food yeah. on the table yeah. you know over our heads the yeah. next you know all of the simple stuff simple it's right sometimes and I know people talk about it a lot now but it is the absolute key to the door of uh yeah. of happiness really and the simplicity yeah. I agree but I mean I I just I think it's important to say that this is not a character trait and I haven't always been like this I was on antidepressants when I was in my late 20s I was having panic attacks when I was in my early 20s 
Um, you know, I've always struggled with self-esteem. Not now. I, I, I don't anymore, actually, really at all. But when I was younger, you know, I, I lacked confidence. I hadn't, I hadn't really found my groove. Yeah, um, I think having my creative, my art, my photography is hugely important to me. But it's it's just to say, really, that you know, feeling grateful and feeling happy and in a good space, it's not something that I've always felt. I've yeah. actually had, you know, times where yeah, I've 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 been you know I've been on antidepressants. I couldn't cope. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't get on a tube in London. But but actually, you know, it's kind of I suppose spending time with yourself to sit and think, why is this happening? You know, this is yeah. this is happening for a reason. You know, I always hated that expression because I always thought, what does that mean? And it's so frustrating <laughs> when you're good and somebody says that and you just want to punish them. But I think, yeah. you know, things do. So if you're if you're depressed, if you you know, you can't always get there. And that's why, you know, I had education because I think my doctor realized well, she's not in the right space now to sit sit with this. It's, it's too difficult. It's too yeah. um, frightening. But I think to be able at some point to think, well, why is that happening? I can look back now and think that environment didn't suit me. It didn't really suit me to be on that wheel, to be, you know, isolated so far away from family and so far away from nature. And I think if you want to reach contentment and you want to feel gratitude, then it's quite important to manage your life as it goes along. And I think that's yeah. something that I've not always been very good at doing. I've just sat in a rut and sometimes yeah. you have to sometimes you know for financial reasons sometimes you are stuck in a job that you hate and I know that I'm privileged now I, I you know but I mean I went to school I went to night school I studied photography I worked hard you know it's yeah it, it doesn't it, you know it's it's if you if you want to change your life you, you put in the work don't you you put yes, in the work you absolutely do and and, it, and if you weren't a photographer Justine what do you think you might be doing now <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh God, it depends how much cash I've got in the bank. I mean, if I was thinking rich, I'd always think I'd be, you know, in the Bahamas or somewhere, wouldn't I, on a yacht with a cloud with, with you? With you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I quite like the sun. I like the beach. I like Did relaxing. My biggest passion. I mean, my biggest passion's really. Well, I mean, I suppose people. That's what I love. Yeah. I love people. And that's why I'm a portrait photographer, because I like meeting people. And that's why I love my other passion is travel, because I like to see new people, new cultures, different ways of life. If I had uh, if I had the ability to travel all the time, I, I, I think that I would. And I've done a lot of traveling in the past, but obviously kids, education, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the now. But in the future, I kind of feel like. Yeah, I mean, how would my life? My that's that's they are my passions. So just more of more of that. Traveling with a camera and a rucksack—that'll be me. Yeah. Well, when I'm, I mean, you can come with me. We've already said we're going to be in Goa or somewhere when the kids have left oh, us. I cannot so. wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, you know, it's not my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I say that's my dream, but I'm very happy in the now. This is what I've got everything yeah. I need right now. But you know, in the future, when I've got a little bit more freedom and I haven't got small kids, then I, if I could, if I can, uh, then that's kind of the, that's what I really love to do, just to, yeah move around, travel and meet people and, and you know, take their picture if, if, if they let me. <laughs> sounds uh, brilliant. <laughs> it sounds, you know, what a brilliant thing to be doing. Yeah, simple that, pleasures, simple yeah. pleasures. When, when I was in, uh, when I was traveling, I was sailing along the Mekong Delta in a boat 
and I, I just looked up and there was this gorgeous man. He was just sailing towards me on his own with a spliff in his hands. He was silver-haired guy. His name was Ralph. I'll never forget him. He was about 70 and we just had a chat while our boats were passing and that was just minutes, like, like for a few minutes. And um, one of the things he said to me was, um, every adventure is a good adventure, even if it's bad. And I just remember thinking about that and thinking, oh my God, that is so true. God. It's, it's really helped with my psychology because it's like one of those moments in life where something happens to you and you never forget. And I think, he's right, that's so true. Even bad experiences are good experience because they're experiences. You know, like my, I'm grateful for my long COVID in some ways. I might not have been able to see it at the time, but now I think it's taught me so much about how lucky I am when I'm in good health, you know, and when I'm free and I can go out and I can do things. And I, I might have taken it for granted before, but, but I don't anymore, really. You no. Know? Wow. God, that's giving me goosebumps. What an incredible <laughs> No, but what a moment with the guy in the boat. Yeah, Ralph. He was he was he was lovely yeah he was he was a he was an open soul you know oh, and he, and he, I think he understood at that stage in his life what's important yeah you know? absolutely crikey and my last question to you before we uh, end this is is that what would you tell your 15 year old self uh, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> oh god um not to worry about people who are not important. Don't worry about judgment. Just, just do not, do not be, uh, do not be pressed down by other people's judgments. Live your own life. Be confident and live your own life. Um, I think that would be the main thing because I've always, you know, been quite pleasing and I've always worried what people thought of me. I don't really know why that is. Um, but I, in my later years, I don't care. And it's so liberating. You know, I, 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 what I mean by it, when I say I don't care what people think, that could be perceived as, oh, well, you're a bit rude or you don't care about people. But what I mean is, if I live my life as a good person and I'm kind and I'm good, then if people don't like me, it doesn't matter because I know I'm good and I know I'm kind. So I just think if I was a 15, if I was talking to my 15-year-old self, I would just say, be kind, be, yeah. be, be authentic, be honest, just be a good person. And if people don't like you, it's, it's their problem. Or if people judge you negatively, it's their problem. Because I so think true. negative judgments um, do stop you from really, really embracing oh. your life. Yeah, and... they stop you, don't they? And, they? and they literally can imprint on us for a long time of unless they we're do. aware of the, the repercussions. Exactly. And, and you'll know when you have kids or when you have a dog, I've just got a puppy, you are being judged a lot because everybody's got opinions about what you should do. And if you don't do what they think's right, then you might feel the weight of their judgments. But, you know, not caring so much what people think about you because you know that you're doing, you know, you've got an authentic life and you're, you're a good person is, is, is not a state of being, is it? It's a practice. It's something you bring yourself back to, you know, it's, and you have to do it a lot when you live in a community. There'll be there there will be judgment, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so if I was fifteen, when I was fifteen, I worried what everybody thought of me. In fact, I probably obsessed about it, and, I, and that continued yeah. for many years. In fact, it's been a it's quite a theme in my life. And now I've got to the point where I'm liberated pretty much from that. And uh, so, that is yeah. the biggest liberation, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Okay. I really think you know it really I really got the purple is. hair yet, but that's uh, <laughs> that I mean, will come. That will come. <laughs> 
I can help you with that. <laughs> uh, can I just say, I think that you have, after this podcast, even, you know, you are the Dalai Lama. No! <laughs> Yeah, there's only one Dalai. Literally, you are in the walk of fame in my eyes as the Dalai. Oh, well, that's all I care about, darling. <laughs> yeah, I've absolutely loved talking to you. Oh, you um, too. Always. As ever. So, thank you so much. Where can people find you and your work? Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for talking to me. I always love spending time with you. You've been a super, super kind friend since I've known you from day one, especially when I was ill. You've been amazing and I love you. You know that. Um, so, so thank you for asking me and it's, it's been my absolute pleasure. Would like to see some of the things we've talked about, Brighton Peeps or um, the, the Swimmers. They can find it online at my uh, website, which is www one long word justine desmond photography.co.uk um and the, the the book that you mentioned is the portrait of britain volume three i mean i've got one page in there which i'm so proud of but it's a, it's packed full of other other um Brilliant. portrait and it's, it's it's worth it's worth having a copy of that it's lovely um yeah, yeah so in in those places um, but you also, yeah. so, but you, but you know, you do many different things, really, don't you? But portraits, and also for businesses and branding and things like that. Yeah, well, I do. Um, you know, I I work with um, entrepreneurs, small businesses. I do. It's people, you know, that I photograph, yeah. but it's people doing what they love. So if they, you know, I, I've recently worked with yoga teacher. I've worked with um, PR people. I've worked with. Um, you know, um, coaches, therapists, so yeah. all different types of people, really. And I, and I call them lifestyle sh uh, shoots. So um, I worked yeah. with a photographer recently. We hung out together and got some nice images. So, I mean, I'm a freelancer. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, basically. And I think that's the case for most freelancing photographers. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but it's, it's marketing is my business, really. So marketing images. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if somebody wants me to do something i'm up for, up for the challenge whatever it is and i, I think you've yeah. got to be you've got to be brave yeah you've got to sure. you otherwise you're not going to get anywhere and you know I, my confidence levels are really good but it wasn't always the case i used to when the phone would ring i'd immediately feel anxious <gasps> what are they going to ask me to do oh can i deliver it <laughs> will i be happy am i good enough but you know it's, yeah. it takes time so yeah so now i just I, I do, you know, I, I, I tend to work, you know, people doing portraits and lifestyle images and, and I love it. It's brilliant. I really love it. I get to meet lots of really good people. And you're very good at it. And on that thank note, you. <laughs> thank that you note. very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will, uh, I will, I will see you very soon. See you very soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. -bye.